HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Washington Wine. Download the Map My Washington Wine app. It's Map My W-A Wine and get all the Washington Wine right in your hand. Washington Wine, this is now. If your food media diet is fueled by HRN, become a monthly donor today. Visit heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. Hello, welcome to Japanese. I'm your host, Aki Kotema, a food writer and director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every day in the supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi, ramen, izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I try to demystify it in this program with my cool guests. And my guest today is Austin Power, who has been in the sake industry for the last 17 years as a sake sommelier and kikizakeshi, or certified sake professional. Austin joined us on episode 164 and discussed his fascinating experience at Sake Bar Satsuko in East Village for the first 10 years of his career. Also, he shared his idea of serving Japanese sake in non-Japanese environments like Tokyo Record Bar in Greenwich Village and Nishinish in Soho, Manhattan. And he's also a talented artist and a graduate of Parsons Schools of Design. And Austin is joining us today because he recently opened his own fascinating sake bar called Accidental Bar in East Village, Manhattan. So today we'll discuss why Austin opened a sake bar in the middle of the pandemic, the refreshing concept of Accidental Bar, the unique sake that he offers at his bar, his food menu that relates to the health benefits of sake, uh, which I'm very curious about, and much, much more. But before we start, Japan Needs is available on the Heritage Radio Network website, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, whichever you listen to, and subscribe to Japan Needs. And please write a review. We really appreciate your feedback. Now, let's start a conversation with Austin Power. Hello, Austin. Welcome back to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me again. So... So, first of all, for listeners uh, who has not listened to the episode 164, could you tell us where you are from and how did you get into sake? Absolutely. So, I'm originally from a very small town called Clinton, South Carolina. And then uh, shortly after that, I 
attended high school in a suburb of Charleston. So there's some really fabulous, you know, uh, food culture and um, cuisine happening in Charleston, South Carolina at the moment. And then I came uh, in 2004 to go to Parsons in New York. And that's kind of what brought me to the city. Um, I've taken a few detours along the way, but predominantly I've spent the last 17 years in New York. And my second ever friend was from Osaka, Japan, Kazuya Shitake, who introduced me to uh, the world of sake and also Japanese hot pot. The first time I ever really had a crispy vegetable, it was delightful um, and changed my <laughs> worldview on food. Wow. Okay. So, uh, but I'm, I'm sure you had a lot of different uh, beverages before you got into sake. So, what is uh, sake? What is like so special to you personally compared to other types of drinks? I think, um, especially when we're younger and we're first getting into the world of beverage, um, you can get really influenced right at the beginning just by who you're spending time with. I think creating a loving experience is the best way to get someone uh, on board to learn about and to explore different types of uh, beverage or cuisine. And so I just happen to have this really perfect moment um, drinking sake for the first time with my two best friends in New York. Uh, and it was a kickoff to the whole chapter of what my life would eventually become. Um, I'm utterly obsessed with people and hospitality. And so it informs my painting, which is all portrait based and my designing, which is making very silly clothing to draw strangers in uh, and to get to meet them. And then also uh, hospitality, sharing sake with others and really helping develop um, personal relationships. Mm, right. Yeah. And um, basically I, I can imagine because sake is a very personal um, beverage in the sense that the producers, a lot of producers are small producers and they have their own stories and they're always interested backgrounds and they get very personal about sake. So, yeah, I, I, I'm so glad you got introduced to um, sake in a proper way by your Japanese friend. Yes. So, yeah, and then... Uh, well, we have to now dive into a discussion about your new bar. So it's called Accidental Bar, uh, located yes. at Avenue C and 7th Street in East Village, Manhattan. And it was opened on June 10th. So it's almost two months old. So congratulations. Thank you so much. So first of all, why did you decide to open the sake bar in the middle of the pandemic? Um, It was pure luck. I say that I rubbed $2 together and made a wish. And it somehow came true. Um, the space itself used to be called Lois Bar. It was an all-tap wine bar. And the former owners, Nora O'Malley and Phoebe Connell, were very dear friends of mine. I met them about six years ago when I was working for Saki Bar Satsuko. So I've returned to Alphabet City after a, a four-year hiatus um, to my favorite neighborhood. And they unfortunately decided to move on to new projects. They decided to leave New York um, and focus on their futures. And when they told me that they were planning to uh, close the bar, I just happened to ask, maybe I do it. And uh, we talked through the possibility and it became a very beautiful, seamless transition. Um, and so it really fell out of the sky, hence mm. accidental bar. <laughs> Right. Well, so you had some, someday you were thinking of opening your own bar, but it came all of a sudden, like overnight. Yes. <laughs> wow. Absolutely. Right. 
Yeah, I think life is like that, right? You hope for something, and before you know it, it's in your hand. So that's、yes. the fun part of life. And I think that a lot of、uh, the things that have happened in my life have been predominantly just from、um, being like a little naive and just saying yes <laughs> and following wherever the wind、um, was going to take me. And、uh, so sometimes you just have to ask the question and hope for a yes. Mm, right. In Japanese, there's a phrase,、uh, watari ni fune, means there's a boat coming in. You just jump onto it <laughs> and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> right.、Um, okay. And also, I, I heard that、uh, the, that location specific、uh, real estate you took over,、um, mm. the previous、um, place is got Dolores Bar. And that's where you and your husband, Atsushi, had a first date, right? Yes, we had our first date there at the bar four years ago. So it was a very kismet, full circle moment、um, to not only be able to try my hand at opening a bar, but then to be able to do it in a place that already meant so much to me and was so special、uh, mm. to us. Right. Sounds like destiny. Yeah. Right. So, and so why is it called Accidental Bar?、Uh, so during the、uh, kind of Beginning days of the pandemic and the shutdown, I was workshopping an interview series、um, called Accidental Education, trying to、uh, talk with other people in hospitality about how our lives came to be in this industry.、Uh, a lot of people who you know, have done marvelous things did not plan to be doing this.、Um, we kind of fall, fall into it and Fall in love with it and、um, changes and shapes our lives in a, in a very different way. So, I think there are a bunch of beautiful stories there. And when I was thinking about opening the bar for the first time and you know, how did I get here,、um, it truly is a half and half. It's a complete coincidence and then also just a war of attrition to get your ideas heard and、um, seen and cared for. And so it, I don't think it could have happened any other way.、Mm, right. So it seems by accident, but、yes. it was part of the destiny. Is that what、yes. it is? <laughs> yes.、<Yeah. Right. laughs> so my, my joke is accidental bar, intentional menu,、um, because everything we're offering are、uh, sake and、uh, my. Food program, my chef Jordan Larson is really wonderful. And、um, it's all been very, very heavily considered, even though it seems we put, together, put it together in no time at all.、Mm, right. And、uh, so I know that you raised money through crowdfunding to open the bar. So、uh, you raised over your goal on GoFundMe.com, and about、yes. 100 friends supported you. So that's amazing. And so, how hard was it to get enough money to open a bar in the middle of the pandemic? Well, the,、um, I was lucky that a lot of the bones were already so marvelous、um, and the space was already beautifully designed. So, I just had to make a few cosmetic changes to make it feel personal to me.、Um, and predominantly, the crowdfunding was for the outdoor seating space, which was、uh, designed and built by Okamoto Studio, who do really Beautiful ice sculpture work, but are also fabulous carpenters.、Um, and so that was able to be put together before、uh, 
opening day, which was a very, very tight turnaround. Um, they're my heroes for that. And it seemed that people were just very excited to help. Um, so it, it went by like a breeze. Sometimes I feel mm. a little, um, I don't know the exact word, but you know, I, sometimes it feels a little awkward to ask for help, but when you do, it's so rewarding to see the people mm. that believe in, um, your I, point of view. Right. You invited them to join you to open a bar. So it's very communal. And I think yes. you're a very communal person. I, I always <laughs> feel you have many friends, great friends. So yeah, that kind of makes sense. Mm. All right. So, uh, so we'll take a quick break here. And uh, when we come back, we'll dive into why accidental bar is different from other sake bars. So please stay with us. This episode is brought to you by the wine the world is talking about, Washington Wine. From its one-of-a-kind landscapes to a statewide culture of craft and innovation, Washington is made to make wine. That's why winemakers from around the globe are coming to Washington to set up shop and why 90-point wines are practically falling from the skies. Ready to sip for yourself? August is Washington Wine Month, meaning it's the perfect time to explore some wineries, 1,050 and counting, and try some of today's most exciting wines. The new Map My Washington Wine app makes it easier than ever, too. You can get to know all the wineries, tasting rooms, and vineyards, find nearby events, customize your ultimate wine trip, and more. Download the free Map My Washington Wine app. That's Map My WA Wine and get all of Washington wine right in your hand. Washington wine, this is now. Hey, this is Hannah, HRN's program manager. You may have noticed that we have a whole new look. We also launched a new website that's going to make your listening easier and more enjoyable than ever before. HRN is the original food podcast network. And as we enter a new chapter in our 12-year history, I want to ask you to invest in HRN for the long haul. If you rely on this show to fuel your food media diet, become a monthly sustaining member today. Our members keep the voice of America's food movement alive and kicking. Your donations support this podcast along with 40 other shows on Heritage Radio Network. Your contribution helps give HRN the security we need to stay on the airwaves throughout the pandemic, and your continued support is allowing us to reopen our studio. Plus, we like to give our regular members special treatment. So sign up to become a monthly donor and get access to our secret menu. We've gathered together exclusive discounts and offers from some of your favorite food and beverage brands. So you get to enjoy insider pricing on goods that will ship right to your door. Join our community of monthly donors and special deals will come your way throughout the summer. So can you make a gift of five or $10 a month? It'll show me and our whole team at HRN how much this podcast and food radio in general means to you. Become a monthly sustaining member today at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Japan Needs. I'm your host, Akikatema, and my guest today is Austin Power, who is a sake sommelier and kikizakeshi, or certified sake professional. He recently opened his own fantastic sake bar called Accidental Bar in East Village, Manhattan. Okay, so now,、um, Accidental Bar is such a charming space, and I'm so I got lucky to be able to be there on the opening. So, for listeners who have not been there, and hopefully they will, Uh, could you describe the ambience and all the details about the space and the neighborhood? Absolutely. So, Alphabet City is one of my favorite neighborhoods in New York. I spent so much time working there. And because of its kind of not exactly proximity, but distance from the trains and things,、uh, because they were many buildings that、um, people took over. You know, 30, 40 years ago, the neighborhood has such a homey feel, and everyone really c a r e about one another.、Um, so it's a very special place to drink. It's a, not so technical. People aren't trying to rush you out or anything.、Um, you can just come have a good time and hopefully meet new friends. For Accidental Bar, I say come for the party, leave a little smarter. So we're going to sneak a little bit. Of, Education in with you,、um, but it's never going to be a lecture. You don't have to worry、uh, about all of that. And I was able to get some beautiful textiles. I had a fabulous Norin made、um, in Tokyo,、uh, which they were able to make during the shutdown, which was very, very generous of the artist, but、uh, beautiful hand dyed indigo. And really taking reference from、um, indigo and bringing in these really cool colors to make. Uh, everything just f e e l quite relaxing and、um, really calming to be in. I can be a little bit less of a calm person to, to be around, so it's a nice balance between the two. <laughs> But <laughs> it's,、um, I, I think the space、uh, is a really beautiful, charming place to be and、uh, to enjoy and to try something new.、Mm. Um, I, yeah, it's a. Well, it's a very small space, but you don't feel it's very small because there's so many details, like artistic details. I can see your、uh, artist background in really every corner and the details. So, yeah, it's such a comfortable, charming space to be in. So, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so what exactly is the concept of accidental, accidental bar? So, Uh, for me, I wanted to do two major things. A lot of times you'll visit, and the sake list don't change very often、um, at many restaurants. And part of that comes down to staff education and introducing new bottles, and、um, it can just be a little daunting. I wanted to change that and really have things rapidly changing, but a very small selection so that you don't feel overwhelmed. So typically, we have about 10 to 12 sake on offer. Everything is arranged going from the north to the south of Japan and east to west by prefecture so that we can really get down to looking at how、uh, the weather in Japan affects the water source and how the water source affects the flavor and expression of the sake.、Um, so it's a little subtle way to teach you something you didn't even know you were learning.、Um, and then My point of view for sake is that certain things taste especially delicious、um, certain times of year. So, right now we're in the middle finishing up this really sweaty, hot, humid summer. 
And I wanted all of the things I was offering to be very, very different in terms of personality, but all really refreshing and delightful for the weather outside. Um, it seems a little counterintuitive, uh, but my goal is to help people understand better how they can drink sake more in their everyday life, not only at the restaurant, not only with a pairing, but how um, I can help you access your palate and understand what you're enjoying uh, so that you can enjoy it at the pool or at the beach or when your mother-in-law comes to town or, you know, on the train, all of these different ways um, to just change the experience and make it a little bit more um, everyday and not to say regular, but just I want more people to drink more sake more irresponsibly. Mm, right. So you kind of answered this question, but what is the difference between accidental bar and other sake bars in New York? Yeah. Um, one thing that I wanted to do, and uh, I'll talk really briefly about my chef, Jordan Larson, she had visited me at a number of different places I had worked at. And so when I announced on Instagram that I would be opening, um, I was so pleasantly surprised that my whole team uh, reached out to me directly to come work for me, which in itself is mind blowing, especially after the year and a half that we've had. Um, but Chef Jordan eats predominantly a pescatarian and uh, vegan diet. And so with sake, specifically sake is gluten-free. It is uh, vegan. It's very low acid. So it's super kind to your stomach. Um, and for people who maybe can't drink wine because of acid reflux or things like that, I wanted to make sure that the food we're offering was also really friendly and kind um, to the stomach so that you can really have a decadent time and you won't feel adverse effects the following day. Mm. Um, and then on top of that, I offer an otsumami plate, which is some nice snacks, but a little twist. Um, and instead of doing very classically Japanese cuisine, I wanted to involve some flavors that you might not typically encounter while drinking sake in the city. Um, so that I could help open up, you know, patrons minds, uh, to seeing that maybe sake would have been a great complement to things that they had cooked at home during the week or uh, to a dinner that they had had in the last month. I'm just trying to branch out that point of view and evangelize uh, the versatility of sake a little mm. bit further. Right. Yeah. I want to go into the details of the menu, food menu as well later. But uh, mm. yeah, I think you really pointed out something very important about sake. It's such a natural product, no additives, nothing chemical. Um, mm. And then, yeah, that the food should be always um, in good relationship with, with the purity of sake. So yeah, that's amazing. And also uh, one thing I really realized that when you stepped into your bar, you don't even realize it's a sake bar, right? <laughs> so in a good way, because yeah. um, that's the really important point to expand sake, to be drunk outside the Japanese restaurant. And um, and there is a, and the first sentence of your page on GoFundMe, when mm. you raised the money, look to your left, look to your right, because you might just meet your new best friend tonight. Let's get a little bit bit weird. So that's just very unique. That's your approach. And I think it's huge. Hmm. 
Yeah, that's my um, classic speech from Tokyo Record Bar and uh, Niche Niche, and really just trying to get people into the mood and um, to feel the community around you and just to kind of let go of some of the seriousness. I think, you know, our job as professionals is um, to educate people. But one of the things I say is, uh, what do you know about a vodka soda? Not very much, but that question doesn't get asked um, because people just understand that's something I enjoy and that's something I will drink. And so I think the more that we can get people comfortable to just understanding sake is something I enjoy. So it's something that I drink. You don't have to know everything about a beverage mm. to enjoy it. You just have to let yourself go and have, right. enjoy the evening. Mm. Right. And uh, so if, for example, I'm a sake drinker, but if I want to bring someone who doesn't drink sake, uh, do you offer any other drinks other than sake on your menu? Yes. So right now I have uh, Orion beer from Okinawa and then I have one rosé on tap right now. And eventually I had planned to add a little bit more wine to the menu, but in the first two months we haven't needed it. Um, I think it's nice to have an option if, you know, sake truly is not for um, one of the guests, but I am a little bit of a bully. Uh, I'm a very nice country bully, but if you come to my bar, <laughs> I'm going to want you to at least taste some sake that I think would be good for you. And right. 90, 98% of the time I get it right. So, mm, right. So uh, the reason I asked the question, usually though, people say that I, I don't drink sake. I'm not going to go there, but mm. you know, I'm drinking, I'm going to drink sake, but you can have something else. Then that's the beginning of, do not try this one. It's really good. And then that's yeah. the beginning of the whole uh, journey <laughs> to sake. So I think it's a good idea. All right. So um, so what is the theme of your sake menu? And um, what kind of sake do you offer right now? So um, the theme right now is really just focusing on what is delicious for the weather. Um, I try to have two or three things on the menu at a time that I'm even myself, I'm not personally um, super familiar with because I want to continue to challenge myself and open my mind as well um, and to learn about all of the beautiful, uh, diverse sakes. Surprisingly, um, in the summer, I find that sake from the north of Japan can be really thirst quenching and delightful, even though it's the antithesis you know, it's a good bit colder, a lot more snow drifts and things as we're up uh, talking about Niigata and such, um, but can just be really delightful. And each sake that I'm choosing has its own unique personality. Sometimes we're looking for a little bit of fruit, but be that like bitter fruit, kind of orange rind, like a tin made Junmai super gorgeous, almost has the vibe of a Paloma, or if it's really just classic beautiful bright fruit like a mizubasho ginjo has such a nice voluptuous feel to it and some really really fresh uh, kind of fruit and stone mm. fruits um hakai-san uh, their ginjo ginshu is fabulous to me it's almost like a vesper martini it's got a little bit more weight than you typically um think about from the area but a martini is something that people can instantly 
grab onto and understand mm. a little bit more nuance of uh, viscosity and weight and texture. And um, so it's really using my personal words to set an expectation um, and familiarity with the styles that I'm offering and then helping people grow and learn the vocabulary terms um, that really point out why the mm. sake tastes the way it was and how it's made and why that's special. Right. Okay. Well, um, on the, the opening day, uh, my impression was that you, your theme of the list, uh, it's just featuring seasonality and the terroir of each mm. region of sake, as you said earlier, but kind of like a gently nudging people to learn about sake. It's very fun, way right? Because, um, <laughs> So one of the items, the Senkimuku Modern, that's the mm. weird description. White wine lovers rejoice. Frozen muscat grape. That was exactly right. true. <laughs> and uh, the Amabuki Himawari, uh, that mm. the sake is made, made with sunflower yeast sake, which is very unusual. And I loved it too. So, yeah, it's very educational, but you don't educate people because you just want to have fun with it. So... Yeah, I look forward to the new menu. I don't know, how, <laughs> how, how often are you going to rotate the items? Um, right now, we're in kind of a special moment because uh, the pandemic plus that ship that got caught in the Suez Canal uh, really disrupted supply chains. So there's less of variety. Everything is kind of held up. Um, being imported, but it's created a really, I think, special opportunity for a lot of businesses to try styles that um, they might not have normally added to their list or uh, kind of pushing people outside of their comfort zone. So it's a really unique um, time to be purchasing sake, but then also to be trying a whole new variety um, that might not have been on all of our radar uh, before mm. this. But I yeah. have had one to two new sake every week since we opened. Oh, wow. Amazing. Yes. So you can go mm. every week, basically. Yes. <laughs> Always something okay. new. Right. Um, okay. And uh, what style of sake is most popular among your customers so far? It's been really fantastic. I have been blown away by how adventurous um, the customer who have, uh, have come to visit have been um, the amabuki that you were mentioning the himawari so special sunflower yeast it almost has a kind of reminds me of cream corn at like a summer barbecue and i thought we'll see maybe this will may, maybe someone's going to um, align with this uh, but i didn't expect it to be as popular as it was and i find that the more adventurous styles I'm bringing in, the more people are really excited to dive in and try. Um, and I think, you know, even if you have the open mind to try something new, uh, if you don't like it, you're still going to get a little tipsy and at least you learn something. So <laughs> <laughs> there's, right. there's never a mistake to be made. You know, it's mm. always an opportunity to find out what you truly like. Right. Yeah, that's interesting, right? So you try something new that we may not sink in right away, but next day, I think yeah, what I heard is that you know your scent receptor remembers that's the whole molecules stay in your nose, so oh. it takes a while to sink in, and then sometimes like a food or a drink I had yesterday, 
when I'm walking in the street, huh, why did I taste this now? So yeah. I thought it was just imagination, but I think it makes sense, like a, you know, physical <laughs> aspect of it. So it's, it's interesting to be a little adventurous to, um, when it comes to taste or smell, because yeah. your body may like it um, in a while, like next day or so. so and in a yeah. interesting way, I almost always find that when I take the first sip of something, if I really really love the first sip sometimes it ends up getting boring a little bit later whereas if i question the first sip halfway through i'm just head over heels um, and it's interesting how it kind of sometimes things take a little time to grow on you um, because you don't quite know where to place it exactly exactly and also i think uh along with that a temperature change and something that adjusted for the positive to your liking, and it's just a magical uh, experience, right? Over time, even if it's like yes. half an hour. Mm-hmm. Okay, so listeners, it's better to taste something new, and <laughs> your brain gets uh, stimulated. I think it's mm-hmm. like a new plasticity, all those things. So let's just drink a new second and just stimulate your brain. All right, so uh, so you. Um, well, we talked about food a little bit. So you offer nice, very nice and unique tsumami or snacks. So mm. so what is the theme of the food menu other than, you know, pescatorian and, you know, like uh, the bride, how many dishes you have? And also what's the background of your chef? Yeah. So uh, Chef Jordan went to culinary school, but she ended up um, getting into media and conferences after she graduated. And so this is the first time back she had worked in uh, some smaller kitchens and larger kitchens and done some catering and line cooking. But this is her first time driving a program by herself. And she's absolutely divine. Just, I'm constantly impressed. Um, And when we were kind of conceptualizing, I wanted it to not feel too overwhelming. So we have seven different dishes right now. Everything is portioned for two to share because I like the idea of conversation and to get to taste along with someone and to share your experience. I think the more that you can communicate about what you're imbibing and enjoying, um, the more it will stick kind of to to your soul and um, the more fun you can have in that arena. So you can really come in and have a few small snacks if you want. We also offer the whole menu, um, for two, it's called the whole shebang. And we just ride you through every single dish. But I was really focused on trying to pick out uh, really beautiful bites. We have a smashed potato with miso crema and piquito crab. That's really refreshing, but it's nice. And I got a big bite of umami and we have this beautiful mushroom skewer that's uh shiitake mushrooms marinated daikon a little um, king oyster mushroom and royal trumpets and so it's a progression of flavor through texture and richness and fattiness um that really lends to drinking sake and uh really kind of a textural um experience one of the dishes on the list um was a recipe that Jordan's partner, Jack, his grandfather made. And so it's roasted red peppers with anchovy fillets. It has this beautiful, almost Italian quality to it that goes supremely well with sake because 
as you know, you know, Italian food is so popular in Japan. Um, and it's not necessarily the connections that you might think you would be making, but I think there's a big breadth, uh, to just have some delicious bites and to explore how each of these, uh, elements complement one, one another, um, especially when we talk about sake versus wine, where in wine, everything is originating from the grape and that is driving the entirety of the story with sake. You have disparate elements that are coming together to make a single harmony. And so that's really the focus as well. I want to focus on local ingredients, um, that we, we're not overdressing, uh, or dressing things up or trying to hide flavors. We're really trying to accentuate, um, the beautiful products being supplied mm. and grown here in New York. Right. Well, on your point on uh, the Italian food, I, I, I paired Italian food and Japanese sake many, many times, and they, they go very well together because both cuisines are based on umami taste mm. and the simplicity of the best ingredients. So it's really natural. It makes sense because um, umami, umami, uh, they are complementary uh, points right. of pairing. And also, I think the focus of that seasonality, local seasonality, um, and also umami. And the sake, of course, doesn't have that um, acidity or tannins of the wine. That could be very tricky. Although you need, if you have great sommelier, that could be a whole nother level. Right. But sake is very uh, forgiving. And I can even pair easily with Japanese food or Italian food. So yeah, I really like your menu. And uh, you know, the, you mentioned the crispy potatoes, uh, with the piquito crab and that's a miso cream, right? Yes. So it's actually a cashew crema, um, that w chef Jordan makes on site. So it's a dairy free dish, even though, um, it seems that it seems as if it has dairy, but it does not. Um, all of our dishes are, dairy-free outside of the otsumami plate always has a cheese on it, but um, we always have a substitution option. So the food is very friendly to dietary restrictions. If you have a hard time searching out things that you can eat in the city, we are uh, very, very happy to oblige and to help you um, depending on what kind of special parameters you have. Mm, right. And I heard that, you know, your food menu relates to the health benefits of sake. So how so? I just find that sake is a delightfully friendly beverage to drink. It's 80% water for the most part, um, outside of some of your ginshus and the like. But also uh, just the low acidity can be so kind. I found at Niche Niche when we were predominantly doing wine pairing, Occasionally, we would have guests who couldn't have wine because of the acid content. And so I would make them impromptu sake pairings for the dinner. And I found people were always so deeply appreciative to have an option. Um, and it's not something that maybe necessarily occurs. I know that certain guests, people tend to think sake is higher in alcohol than it actually is. It's usually floating anywhere from 13 to about 17%. We really only get to 21% if we're talking Tamagawa, Genshu, Cask Strength, um, all of these <laughs> styles. And so um, sake is a very, very friendly beverage, and uh, it's so nice um, to your stomach. And I just, 
I can't say that enough. You know, if it's just a, a wonderful drink, you know, it's got so mm. much versatility. Right. Right. And also natural, very natural. Yes. Um, right. So, okay. And uh, so who's your customer so far? Um, the customer base has been pretty varied. Um, I have, of course, seeing a lot of wonderful people that I've known uh, for years coming through, but also um, the infatuation was very kind and wrote some beautiful um, articles and reviews about us. Uh, and so we're seeing a lot of new faces because of that. Um, Resi was another one that wrote a very wonderful interview um, with me and helping to bring new customers. Um, I generally find that I'm seeing people who maybe if they're not sake kind of aficionados yet, they have a really wonderful curiosity about it. And I find that um, there seem to be a lot of people in New York that are curious, but don't know how to go about it or where can they come and have like a low stakes, low pressure experience um, and not be made to feel uh, left out or um, I think a lot of people are scared of feeling stupid. And I will tell you right up front, uh, I like to say I'm stupid, but I'm not dumb. It's a completely different thing. We can have a <laughs> wonderful time. It doesn't have to be all that serious. But when we get down to it, once we find what you like, I can tell you all of the technical details about how you can go shopping for it in the future, because that's, that's the real important part for me. How can I help others understand their palate better and open them up to experiencing new beverage, even outside of sake, just really taking the notes of um, what they really think is delicious and helping them articulate that better going forward so that they can have a better time everywhere they dine. Mm, right. And also even, you know, your bar is very inviting and they pass by, you feel like just sit at the corner and then to sip something. The sake lets you do that too, because it's, there's nothing challenging, nothing strong, and it's just pleasant. It's like a glass of white wine or something. So you can't do that without trying to learn anything. You can just sip and enjoy and leave, yeah. go back to the normal life. So yeah, that's another way. And, uh, okay. So, um, so have you seen like, you know, because your bar is so inviting, have you seen any, anyone like you didn't expect to stop by and, you know, by accident? Well, accident or... I, um, definitely have encountered a number of people that just, they were familiar with Lois beforehand, or they had noticed that the restaurant frontage had been closed for part of the year and um, just get really excited to know what's going on now. Um, and I think even with that, with the walk up, uh, it's been delightful how many people are excited and open um, to trying sake. That makes me so happy. I think that we're seeing a big shift um, in kind of the offerings that are coming to the U.S. because we have a lot of uh, kind of the kids, even though they're not kids, they're, you know, everyone's in their mid thirties and such, um, but taking over their family breweries back in Japan and changing their opinions on what 
sake needs to be as we move into the future. Uh, and so I find that we're getting a lot more diversity in the flavor profiles and the ingenuity and uniqueness, especially for what's being imported um, to the U.S. for drinkers and finding really new sake customers that uh, maybe didn't know that this drink was for them. Um, I also think that we kind of can't discount the effect that hard seltzers and things like this have helped open up the kind of American palate and mind for something that's a little bit um, leaner, cleaner, less intrusive. Um, and so I'll say, you know, if you're walking around with hard seltzers to a party, just grab a bottle of sake. It's going to make you a little bit cooler uh, when you walk <laughs> into the event. And um, it's got a lot of the same uh, benefits to the drinking because you're not going to see additional sugar. You're not going to see any of those uh, extra calories and um, gluten-free and all, all of those delightful things we've been talking about for health benefits. You know, it's a right. really refreshing way to say, enjoy summer. <laughs> right. And I would say not just a little bit cool. I so we're going to be very much cooler <laughs> than any other kids. <laughs> I, I agree, but I was trying to be humble. <laughs> I know, I know. But, I, you know, like how it's like you see someone walking like a cool sake like wow this must this person must be something and uh and the sake bottles that it be designed much much more impressively so yeah. yeah and one thing i wanted to add is that you know you you mentioned the younger generation sake producers but they are inspired by what's happening in a big um non-japanese market like here in new york where you know sake is becoming a very cool thing so now the the very kind of one-time declining, dying industry is getting energy from what you guys are doing. And uh, your bar is actually a um, big part of it too, in my opinion. Suddenly something like connecting sake yeah. with general public who would probably don't go to a Japanese restaurant and drink sake so much. So yeah, I'm so glad you opened such a cool bar. Thank you. All right, so, but... Well, all those things, great, but it must be hard to open your bar very in a very short period of time. So what was the biggest challenge or challenges so far? I almost don't have an answer because there's still so much going on to catch up. But from <laughs> the day that I got the keys to the opening day, June 10th, it was 40 days end to end. Um, to what? find my whole staff and to make my menu and to develop the food program. And I think that uh, just by having no time, it didn't give me any time to overthink or to worry. Um, I went just a little bit more with my initial instincts. Um, and I am lucky enough to have some really wonderful mentors uh, in my life. Um, Ariel Arce was so wonderful uh, to just sit me down and help me cut out any of the clutter in terms of how to present my menu and um, really helped me focus on presenting myself authentically um, through the bar. And right. So Ariel, as the, she was uh, the owner of Tokyo Record Bar and, uh, and Nishini. And so Nishinish. you worked with her, right, for yes. a long time, right? Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, and, she's uh, a very experienced, talented um, bar, like restaurant owner. So, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I'm sorry, I interrupted uh, you. Oh, it's okay. 
but yeah, she is. She, she has done so much in a short amount of time and really sees how things work. I, um, while we were dealing with that pandemic, you know, I was saying Ariel RC makes a pivot look like a pirouette just because of all of the marvelous ideas she was able to try enact, throw out if they weren't working. Um, and I think leaning into that flexibility, um, and going in just to let the bar dictate what it's going to be for itself, not to fight that and to see what people are attaching to and enjoying, um, and hope to just continue creating a, a beautiful place that people want to spend time and entertain and bring friends and family. Mm, right. Okay. So, uh, so from now on, what are your plans and dreams? Well, I'm hoping that I'll be able to go to Japan um, by sometime soon. It'll probably be after the end of the year because we're still dealing with uh, this wonderful pandemic. But um, I can't wait to just be able to meet more brewers and to spend time with them at their breweries um, and to see kind of how sake is going to be continuing to evolve and to change as we move forward. And um, I've had some wonderful discussions with Brooklyn Cora, and hopefully we'll do some fun tastings or events with them coming up, New York's first sake brewery out in Industry mm-hmm. City. And um, I'm hoping to do a little bit more, uh, maybe flesh out my interview series, Accidental Education. Maybe we'll get there um, sometime in this year to help share more beautiful hospitality personalities, um, with more people. I'd really like to continue to grow the sake community and invite special guests into the bar and let people showcase their own personality and point of view. And I hope to be able to employ, you know, wonderful sake enthusiast, future Kiki Sakeshi in the bar space, um, to just continue to give back to the community because it's been so friendly and warm and welcoming uh, to me since I first got into working in sake. Um, so mm. I just hope it'll only get bigger and better. Hey, yeah. Um, every single person I met, non-Japanese sake producers in this country, they said the sake community in Japan um, is very welcoming and surprisingly supportive to um supports what's happening outside Japan too. So yeah, your point of the communal sense is something that's similar to who you are. Um, so hopefully you're going to have some, uh, you know, sake producers from Japan and do some events and that kind of thing. That'd be fun too. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so I mean, do you want to tell me, uh, tell us about the interview series that you have, you've had? Yeah. So I, did a couple of um, short test episodes with some friends and it can be challenging. You are one of the most wonderful interviewers I've ever had the chance to talk with. And um, it is a hard job. So I'm still figuring out how to be the host versus the guest. Um, But what I'd like to uh, do is kind of tying in my art practice and to make an interview series that becomes a self-portrait of how I got to where I am 
in the hospitality industry. So to interview all of my wonderful mentors and contemporaries and uh, just talk about how we got into this um, whole ordeal. Uh, Because when I was younger and first kind of breaking into the industry, it was a little challenging, I think, uh, for me to feel like I was being taken seriously in my passion while I was learning. Um, And so I'd love to help other young people in hospitality kind of hear all of the different ways that people have made it to their goals um, and really underline the fact that there is not one straight path, that your life is yours and uh, incredibly unique and just to give a little window in uh, to the pure chaos that it is uh, growing mm. up and um, creating a, a career path. Right. Well, I really want to listen to your interview. So is it available or they have to wait until you we'll, already? We'll have to, we'll have to wait a few more months um, just while I'm finalizing all the details with the bar, but hopefully it's coming sooner than later. Okay. Well, I look forward to it. So uh, until then, where can we find you online and on social media? Absolutely. So you can find us uh, on the web at accidentalbar.com. My Instagram for the restaurant is accidentalbarnyc. And my personal is with a power, W-I-T-H-A power, uh, on account of everything Austin Power was taken. (laughs) Right. But all right. So you're a bigger Austin Power now, in my <laughs> <Yeah>. opinion. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. All right. So thank you so much for joining us today, Austin, uh, and good luck. Thank you so much. Can't wait to see you again. We'll see you soon. So listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests, please contact us at japanese.heritageradionetwork.org or akikotehama.com. Japanese is a weekly program and always available at heritageradionetwork.org as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. Our engineer is Amanda Wong, and thank you for listening. I will see you next week. Japanese is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thank you for listening.